Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Any good stories from the road? Pipe up. I wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter. I'm starting to puke. It makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. I thought he was going to die. I'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit. He's on the probiotics. Is Georgia playing the 1985 Bears this weekend or what? A lot of Todd, Todd, Todd talk. That poison proof. They're mongeese. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Georgia Show. We have a little bit of news to start the episode this evening on uh, February 22nd. Jamon Dumas Johnson arrested for reckless driving and racing. Did I get that correct, Jake Rowe? Sounds like it. Yeah, sounds like uh, based on what we've seen thus far, um, that, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, there's not a lot of details on it. I mean, he was arrested today. Um, apparently there is a, is a, uh, a briefing of some sort on, uh, UGA, uh, on the UGA police website or, or a daily briefing or something they've got that says that the offense was January 10th uh, on college station road. So that's kind of all we know right now. Um, ultimately both misdemeanor charges. And if it was on January 10th and it was, you know, uh, nobody got hurt or anything like that. I, I think that we're looking at probably a, you know, a little, uh, nothing burger more or less. Uh, you're basically going to have uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson run a lot of stadium steps and probably picking up some trash and donating some money and time and all of those things to get it all worked out. But I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Um, Kind of an odd situation, though, for it to have lasted as long as it has. And uh, interested to see kind of what's 
out there we've made our requests for uh open records and stuff to kind of find out what's going on all right dogs hq will keep you uh updated on that we'll let you know more uh as we know more but it just happened and, right and before. palmer palmer may have more yeah. when he gets on here he's actually writing about it right now so when palmer hops on here in a little bit um he may have he may have a few more findings than we have so got it all right uh well speaking of palmer and writing he wrote about Todd Munkin meeting with the Baltimore Ravens media for the first time uh, earlier this week. And we got to hear from Munkin and hear that he gave a lot of credit to Georgia's staff and everything that he learned from Kirby Smart. He gave a ton of credit to Kirby Smart for what he built at Georgia. And if Kirby didn't already have this established with the dogs, it doesn't sound like Munkin would have been nearly as interested to take the job a few seasons ago. Man, he's been really forthright uh, about that, you know, about um, the opportunity to join uh, what Georgia had going there, the established culture. I mean, even took uh, the born on third base thing uh, and and put it on himself. How many guys do that? Uh, but, yeah, Todd Monk has been very complimentary of Georgia, and I think Georgia fans obviously love him too. I mean, he he has done a tremendous job. And I know I've kind of – I've actually gotten a few emails here like, man, I didn't know you weren't a Munkin guy. I totally am. I mean, he he did a fantastic job. I, I just do think that, that uh, you know, when you're looking at these guys and they're individuals and they're humans, um, they're not they – didn't, they didn't push all the right buttons. And uh, Todd Munkin didn't push all the right buttons, but he pushed plenty of buttons to get Georgia where it was. And Kirby Smart deserves a lot of credit for hiring him because – you know, the, the whole, you know, everybody's Mike Bobo, this is a buddy hire. Well, you know, Kirby could have made a buddy hire a long time ago, and he didn't. He hired Todd, Todd Munkin. Um, but, you know, it just uh, – I, th I think, you know, going to the NFL, it's, it's always tough, man. It's always tough. You never can um, just say it's going to work. I mean, I, I didn't know Andy Reid was going to work from Philadelphia to, to Kansas City. How many guys are successful in one spot, don't quite get it done, and then never get it done? Uh, you, that league is an enigma, and there are very few – uh, very, very few guys who kind of just touch things and turn them to gold in that league. And, um, you know, Munkin's only been a play caller in that league for one for one year. We don't know his quarterback situation, but I know that the Baltimore Ravens will have a few more eyeballs on them this next football season because, um, you know, both of their coordinators now very much tied to the University of Georgia. Uh, Mike McDonald, double dog there, defensive coordinator, and now Todd Munkin, two-time national championship um you know, coordinator and and maybe probably viewed behind Irk Russell uh, as the yeah. most beloved Georgia assistant ever. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think when you look at the contributions that he made on offense, he wasn't headbutting anybody and getting blood on his forehead. He might have figuratively butted heads a lot with Stetson Bennett, but it worked and he did what he had to do. One clip that did go viral, Jake, was Todd Munkin talking about Jameis Winston. Uh, and this is from his Ravens press conference. I'm going to pull this up really quick and let y'all take a listen to it. We had Mike Evans. We had Chris Godwin. We had Adam Humphreys. And we had O.J. Howard. And we had Cam Brate. And we had quarterbacks that loved to throw it, sometimes to the other team, but they like to throw it. But the, when I was at Tampa, we had really good receivers. Just, mer just merciless on old uh, Jameis there. Not we had quarterbacks Jameis, who like to throw it to the other team. Dude, not just Jameis. If you look at Fitzpatrick from that one season with Monk, and they kind of split that season because of injury. And Fitzy, Fitzy throws it to the other team every now and then, too. I mean, he had him a couple of guys that enjoyed turning the ball over. That's for sure. Yeah, so when fans got frustrated with Stetson Bennett being a little bit unpredictable, a little bit squirrely with the football – 
that was nothing new for Munkin. He'd been there before, and Stetson really was pretty efficient other than some questionable throws and decisions he made on his own. So I'm, I'm thinking about the Peach Bowl when he had that yeah. one interception and then had that one play that I think Munkin confirmed, but Kirby definitely said that Stetson wasn't even supposed to try to throw it to Lab McConkey. So that probably gave Munkin some flashbacks from some of his uh, more loosey-goosey quarterbacks he had in the pros. Yeah, I, 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 can you imagine the number of times, you know, Stetson probably pulled that stuff in practice knowing, you know, Stetson's one of those guys, he's probably smart enough in his own head to kind of be like, all right, this is practice. This is no real, um, there's no real uh, 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 repercussion for forcing this thing in there and maybe threw some picks in practice. I bet Munkin Center thinking, man, this kind of stuff's gotten me fired before. This kind of stuff's gotten the, gotten the staff let go. Uh, but either, I, I guess he, you know, you don't have to worry about that at Georgia. Not after what they got done last year. It was probably, uh, probably one of the most secure spots he could have ever been. And we'll see if he, uh, let's, we'll see if he enjoys the selection of less security over, uh, over less, you know, recruiting um, time spent. Yeah, I mean that's that's really the easiest uh, couple of dots to connect, right? Is he did hit yeah. the trail a little bit. He did go out. He did talk to guys. But what kind of impact do you think really came down to, you know, with recruits specifically just seeing what Munkin was all about versus their relationship? Do you think that was one of those rare instances where the results on the field were able to speak so much louder than the coach recruiting just because he wasn't taking it as seriously as some of his peers, I guess, that do go out and recruit significantly way more and are more passionate about what they do well I always looked at it as Todd Munkin was probably a bigger tool as a recruiter to Brian McClendon and Stacey Searles and Todd Hartley and uh and Del McGee is you know they would say hey you know this is what Munkin's doing for this guy and hey this is what Munkin's offense has done for this guy as opposed to you know Munkin being able to you know I don't know sometimes I feel like if you go out there and you're just like me 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 this is what I can do for you um, you know, that is tough. I, I think the big thing with Munkin is, yeah, it's hitting the road and recruiting. I, I think just being in the room and, and having the credentials. And listen, he's got a great personality to him. He's a funny guy. The, the players love him. So I have no doubt that he that he does relate to those guys well. But I can speak from – man, listen, I'm 39, right? And, and I've been doing – I've been in this business for 10, 11, 12 years, uh, you know, depending on when I got in, how you would count it. I'm to a spot now where I just can't I can't do like I used to and call kids nonstop after visit weekends and and do that. I'm just I don't know. I've kind of grown out of that phase of my life as some coaches do that. Will Muschamp doesn't, but Todd Munkin does. And you know, especially when that's not necessarily a big part of what he got into it for, right? So I think ultimately, um, you know, that that's part of it. And a big part of it is like, hey, listen. These spring and, and summers when when you know they're not working in the NFL, they're I mean they're they're maybe doing some homework on their own and doing some Zoom meetings or meeting with other staff. But I tell you what, they're not doing. They're not they're doing camps for 12, 13, 14 and up, um, and and in a hundred degree weather and uh having to hang around there all day. And I remember running into Kevin Share at one of those things one time and he was like, Man, I'm not gonna sit down. I'm not I'm not gonna let any of these kids sit see me sit down. He said, but my back hurts so bad I could go to the hospital right now. And that's just kind of the way they work with it. Yeah, it's part of the job. You, like if you worked at Best Buy in your career, you have 
the qualifications and in a situation like that to just stand up all day, be on your feet and talk to people. Whereas Todd Munkin doesn't need to do that right now. He probably, Mm -hmm. if he did stay at Georgia for a few more years, he would be looking at solutions from AI and bots to send his text messages for him uh, to recruit kids. Um, The human touch is always present with breaking tea. The back-to-back gear is here as it always has been. I tell you all about it all the time, and it's for the people who need a new Georgia shirt or a new Georgia hoodie or mug or sweatshirt, and that is pretty much everybody listening to this show right now. There's individual shout-outs to players like Brock Bowers, Stetson Bennett, Darnell Washington, Christopher Smith, but there's a lot more national championship gear that came up the night that Georgia went back-to-back. They could probably start working on it some point in the second quarter if they had a few more designs to wrap up because everyone knew how that one was going to go. The link to the Breaking Tea store is in our show description. Y'all go get you something. So uh, this is a little bit a little bit investigative journalism here, Jake Rowe. Yeah. We had uh, a little bit of reporting from our buddy Mark Weiser at the Athens Banner Herald today that Tom Crean, of all people, helped get the ball rolling on Todd Munkin leaving for the Ravens job because he has the Harbaugh family connection. Do you have any indication that Tom Crean is a Harbaugh operative? Not as of right now, um, but I tell you what, man, uh, if Todd Tom Crean didn't leave a great taste in Georgia fans' mouth, period, uh, he definitely has not now. And and listen, this is probably a, a – uh, uh, this was probably going to happen with or without him. Um, I do I do hope genuinely um, because I'm not a Tom Crean hater. It didn't work out for him at Georgia. It's worked out in other places, and he's done some pretty cool things. Some folks think he's cheesy. I, I'm not judging the man. I'm not just not going to do it. But I hope that that they're not telling people that they got Todd Munkin hired with the Baltimore yeah, Ravens. Did Tom Crean get a, a cut of the salary? Like, is that part of what we're going to be Tom looking Crean, at here? Tom Crean's making a lot of money from Georgia right now, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but, yeah – I hope he's not. I mean, I hope nobody's self-important enough to really think that they got Todd Munkin hired for the Ravens. Todd Munkin got himself hired, um, but you know, it, it, I doubt that you know him and the uh, the his wife hanging out with Todd Munkin and his wife a couple of times. You know, was the was the thing that tipped this in in Munkin's favor. But um, anyway, it, he he's definitely not making any friends amongst Georgia fans that already hate his guts, probably irrationally anyway. Yeah, that, that is an irrational hatred. I'm just fascinated with the concept of the Harbaugh's and the Creens getting together and everyone just kind of knowing what's going on. Jim Harbaugh saying, "Hey, I don't want to meet up with that Todd Munkin offense again." Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at I'm looking at like I'm looking at John's over here like working the grill and Jim's over here throwing the football and, and Tom's over here just pacing around drinking Diet Coke, you know, and and it's just like, hey, what do you guys think about old Todd Munkin? What do you think about him? Just, you know, out loud, you know, real just, I don't know. It's it's kind of silly to think about, but I mean, what a pedigree there. I mean, I, I bet that is a fun cookout. I bet there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of BS thrown around. Um, you know, like I said, a lot of Diet Cokes being drunk, a lot of whole milk from Jim Harbaugh, and uh, we know that you're not going to run into any chickens. It's a nervous bird. Have, have have you seen uh, the video that 
Jim Harbaugh's daughter put on TikTok of him just doing chores around the house? Uh, I haven't seen that one, but I've seen the one of them traveling and about how he kind of how kind of he walks around at the airport and how he acts on vacation and things. And uh, um, I tell you what, man, um, <laughs> I'll say this about that. They they pick at their dad, but you could tell they're a big fan of that dude too, uh, because they they've spent a lot of time with him and they know his mannerisms and it is it's freaking hilarious. I think I may have seen part of what you're talking about with the chores around. I'm trying the house, to find it right I've now. I've definitely seen the one of of my dad Jim Harbaugh on vacation. It it's really funny. There's never a a boring day, never a dull moment with that guy. Yeah, and at Stanford, like when he was at Stanford, I had no idea that he was this this quirky like the khakis and the sharpie thing was was part of it but i almost feel like he's just getting more interesting with age he's just getting weirder with age and you know if you've seen your parents age and get older and your grandparents you know that the interesting traits that they have just come out more as they get older and I, i've got a video right here of harbaugh working out in a uh hotel har uh hotel hallway let me let me pull this up yeah, those inhibitions get lowered as they get older, and they just don't care anymore. Jim Harbaugh. Look at this. Lunges, baby. Thanks. Yep, just working out in the hallway. Um, what yeah, a guy. When, when I look back at, like, the Orange Bowl – and you think about the uh, the dynamic between Kirby and Harbaugh. He's co he's coached against some interesting guys in his career, Mike Leach, one of them. But I can't think about a more different set of dudes on the same football field than that matchup with Kirby Smart going against that team. Yeah, um, man, I don't know. I feel like I feel like you can say that pretty much to anybody that Jim Harbaugh coaches on the other sideline from. There's nobody like him. Nobody because closed. they're more they're relatively more normal. Yeah, everybody's just yeah, everybody's everybody's so much closer to normal than Jim Harbaugh. I mean, <laughs> and and then Mike Leach, I feel like is on the other side of normal, like on the complete other side of normal. Maybe he's even a more polar opposite than Jim Harbaugh. They're both extremely eccentric, but in different ways. Um, you know, I think Mike Leach would, you know, hates losing Jim Harbaugh, you know, hates losing in a way that's probably unexplainable to Mike Leach. <laughs> Rhett Womack says Kirby's too much of a boss to work out in a hallway. He definitely is not going to be filmed working out in a hallway. I that can guarantee 100%. that. 100%. You're right there. I want to say happy birthday to Rhett as well. He'll be 40 in 11 days. He's going to be a man then. He's yep. going to be a man. He's 40. Palmer, Hopefully what we, we got? What, what kind of new information do you have on us for Javon, Jamon Dumas Johnson? Anything from the police report or – Anything that we we did we did not cover, um, you're just supposed to magically know what we covered. Yeah, I was we just say, we I... just we just reported on the on the bare uh, facts, the info that we know. That yeah. January 10th is that the date that it looks like that that does appear to be the date. Um, that's according to the UGA police jail log, um, or, or not jail log, but police log, um, arrest log. That uh, the statement on there um, says. Warrants issued February 21st, uh, 2023. So yesterday, uh, charges resulted from the investigation into an officer's officer's observation of two vehicles traveling beside each other on College Station Road in a reckless manner 
at high speeds that fled the area upon sight of the officer. Um, so a little, little, couple incomplete sentences there, um, but uh, the the log did indicate that the incident occurred on the tenth at around eight p.m. Uh, so less than twenty four hours after Georgia won the national championship over TCU. Those boys needed some speed after that big win. Uh, College Station uh, is not a place to do it, guys. I've I've been stopped there more than once, and I've never raced, but I have been stopped many times on College Station. And um, further adding to it, I guess um, I, I don't know if this is something that y'all had mentioned, but he was booked at six thirty five tonight. Um, released less than an hour later um, on UJR unsecured judicial release. Um, did not a law school student over here. Um, but according to Georgia code, URJ, um, excuse me, UJR, that was a typo on my part in the story. We'll fix that. <laughs> um, <laughs> UJR means any release on a person's own, um, recognition that does not propose a dollar amount through secured means as provided for in code section 17-6. 6-4 or 17-650 or property as approved by the sheriff in the county where the offense was committed. So um, all that flies right over my head. Um, <laughs> but um, per, I mean, just, just looking to, into it, it says uh, it was per standing order 22 um, and listed a couple of bond amounts um, at arrest. Uh, those those amounts totaled to four thousand dollars. So, um, gotcha. so it sounds like they knew his bond when they booked him because the warrant had already been been issued. I think, and, if we and it sounds together. like, and and I I could be speaking out of context here, um, out of place, but it sounds like he turned himself in. Yeah, um, and and so maybe his his bond amount was known at the time he showed up on the scene with that amount was booked and and paid the amount and released. Um, so that that's my understanding of it. Um, very surface level. Um, did, did mock trial in high school, uh, but that does not mean that I am, a, you know, a, a legal expert over here. Well, we're looking for other details now. We're waiting on the arrest report um, and, uh, and things like that. But uh, probably, you know, that, you know, that rapscallion, that uh, AJC rapscallion Brian Gant was involved in this whole thing somehow. He probably told him that there was a warrant out for his arrest. Damn him! Uh, Got to get rid of that guy. I'm obviously. I mean, what what, what 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 we do know is that Jamon is. I mean, on the field is one of the best linebackers in the country. Um, was a was a Butkus Award finalist this past season. Um, and we also know that if this is the extent of it he'll be a very good linebacker in game one of next season. Yep. Yeah. You said right, it, I well, didn't. Uh, <laughs> Y'all just keep locked into dogshq.com. I mean, these things, the turnaround on them, typically what are we looking at from a arrest like this to seeing some arrest report details and learning a little bit more? I would assume they get us something tomorrow if they already had enough to put together a warrant and everything. I mean, this is something obviously they've been able to work on without – um, you know, media jumping in and, and, you know, kind of reporting it first. So if they, if they put together enough information to get a warrant, I'm, I assume that there's, you know, a, a responsive 
uh, police report in addition to, um, you know, the warrant itself that's going to have probable cause on there. So um, I, I'm sure there's a lot, uh, you know, of information out there to provide context here, and hopefully we'll get it pretty soon. Yeah, and, and, and no sort of statement that we've received um, from UGA, from police, um, but like you said, and uh, the uh, police report um, has been requested. Cool. And I would assume Palmer. we're not the first ones to request that. Maybe the first, uh, yeah. but not the only ones. Right. Okay. Palmer, thanks for uh, hopping in and updating us on that. One thing that you wrote about earlier this week was the rising sophomore receiver, Dylan Bell. And uh, I wanted to hype that up a little bit because I don't think we talk about Dylan Bell nearly enough. But what are you uncovering about this important piece of Georgia's wide receiver core who now has to compete against a really good wide receiver recruiting class? Yeah, I, um, I wrote a piece um, last night, published it today, um, just you know, titled Don't Forget Dylan Bell. Um, in the mix of Georgia receivers for 2023. I think when we're talking about uh, that group and the, the names that come up in terms of the pass catch, pass catching options, um, you've got Lad McConkey coming back. You've, you've got a, a veteran Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. You've obviously got Brock Bowers. You've got the two transfers that are coming in in, in that room. Um, Dylan is, is a guy that, that I think a lot of people forget. Um, and because he's young it's 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 because he played a role this year but wasn't playing the biggest role um and i i think you know what i what i kind of urged people to do is um you know let, let, let's let's keep him let's keep him in mind when we're talking about this room um an incredibly talented room i'm not trying to take anything away from those other guys they are they, they're incredibly deserving of the recognition and respect that they get uh but dylan bell is certainly deserving of that too i mean uh appeared in all 15 games as a freshman had 20 catches 180 yards three touchdowns um and and he's gonna have experience under his belt that some people you know even even his age or older don't necessarily have i mean um i think if you look at that receiver room and and some of the older guys in there um you know, the, take a Jackson Meeks, for example, somebody that is older in age, but I would say Dylan Bell got more valuable experience uh, when when it mattered than than Jackson Meeks has had in his career. Again, not a knock on Jackson Meeks, but but a bumping up of Dylan Bell. Um, you know, I talked to him before the I guess that was before the Peach Bowl. Um, those the, the Peach Bowl and National Championship media days are running together. Uh, but he, he talked a lot about, uh, you know, how excited he is for year two. One had Chick-fil-A sandwiches and one didn't. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, he's excited for year two. Learned a lot in year one. Um, lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I mean, I don't want to scare Georgia fans away, but... 
him and A.D. Mitchell are really good friends, and they knew each other before their time at Georgia. Um, and they. What are you trying to say? Other. You think you think Dylan Bell is a is a flight risk? I mean, I'm I'm not saying it. I I'm not saying it. I I think Dylan Bell, um, you know, is is on his way to establishing himself in that Georgia receiver room. That's what I will say. Uh, think he can be a valuable piece with what they are losing, Mitchell included. Um, but also a Curious Jackson, a, a Dominic Blaylock. Um, they are losing some some receiver weapons. Um, and, and I think Dylan Bell is somebody that has the experience, um, has the experience that he can contribute uh, and, and start to fill a, a void right away. Yeah, with Curious Jackson for sure leaving, maybe it's because they're around the same size. Same kind of shiftiness. That seems like a natural role for Dylan Bell to step up into. He had um, three touchdowns last season, 20 catches, 180 yards. So that's, you know, do the math really quick. I'm looking at a screen and cheating, but that's uh, nine yards per reception. So when he got the ball, he was pretty impactful. Had that touchdown in the SEC championship game. I think he did the gritty Palmer. Is that what he did to that, celebrate? That is what he did. And we both immediately said, Kirby's going to hate that so much that a freshman is dancing in the end zone. That was the play that I remembered the most about Dylan Bell from last season. And well, and, 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 and I don't mean to cut you off here, but, but you talk about Kirby's going to hate that. Kirby was a, a big proponent of, of propelling Dylan Bell forward. I mean, go back to fall camp. He, he didn't early enroll, so he wasn't around last spring. Um, he told us, you know, after we after we had kind of heard that Dylan Bell had a good scrimmage, he told us Dylan Bell needs to continue to get better and challenged him and and wanted him to essentially was was saying, hey, Georgia has had, uh, you know, Kirby saying this, we have had successful receivers as freshmen. It's a position that you can come in and make it an impact. George Pickens did it. A.D. Mitchell did it. Dylan Bell did it. Um, and, and maybe not to the extent that those other two did. Uh, and but I, I don't think that that's an indication that he can't have the kind of impact that they had. But Kirby was aware of what Dylan Bell could do early on. I don't think we're going to hear the same kind of challenges for Dylan Bell to arrive on the scene. We might hear challenges of of Kirby, you know, Kirby issuing him challenges to continue to grow, to continue to develop, to become a leader in that room. I mean, you look at the receivers that are. Um, coming in, I mean, Jake Jake reported it this week. There is a good chance that, that those guys can be contributors this year. Tyler Williams, Yazid Haynes, Anthony Evans, uh, a fellow Longhorn State native. There what about um, Dominic Evans, Yeah, I mean, I, but I was saying the the, the three the three oh, freshmen. The freshmen, right? Yeah. Um, that those three freshmen, he's going to push them to be a a leader in that room as a sophomore, as a second-year player. Rhett Womack um, says he can see easily see Bell with 600 yards. I, I think personally I would take the under just because of how much they spread the ball around, but Rhett Womack's feeling it. Well, if he if he has 600 yards, uh, you know, I would – if you're setting that as a baseline, then I, I would say Bowers, Ra-Ra, and uh, Ladd and Lovett are all going to have more. So um, – if Dylan Bell is Georgia's fifth leading receiver at 600 yards, Georgia's going back to back to back, guys. No, something has gone terribly wrong. 
<laughs> that's, the, that's the other way to look at it. So two receivers had more than 600 yards last year. Yeah. Bowers, Bowers and Lad McConkey. Kenny yeah. McIntosh had 504, so was still about 100 yards off, and he was third place on this team. I, oh, I'm with Ladrick you, McConkey. The, the way that they spread the ball around, I don't see 600. I think maybe later in his career he could be capable of something like that. I don't necessarily see it next year with – those two top receivers. Um, are, but, or- you know, you get an injury, you get an injury or two. Um, you know, you might be looking at the number three receiver grabbing close to six. Uh, let's yep. chop some wood. Chopping wood Wednesday, guys. I asked this on Twitter today. With all the scuttlebutt of college football's rule changes coming down the pipe, what was the rule that needed to be changed the most? And if you haven't read up on that, it's a lot of things that are going to try to save time in the game and cut down the the – length of these games that we watch for three and a half and four hours every Saturday. I got the number one response, speaking of the Marvin Harrison Jr. play, was targeting. And I don't know how you fix that other than to fix the enforcement of what you do. And I think that was my biggest takeaway was as I think about where college football is going, things that are changing in the game, I just have to think that whether or not they look at targeting – it's here to stay. And I know that's not something that people are too thrilled about because it is such a crazy deal. Um, But it's, it's one thing to, you know, protect someone's head, protect the brain cells in their skull. Um, But when you watch these instant replays and try to enforce what's going on, the only way to adjust what we have going on is to either enforce it as an incidental targeting or, I guess more of a malicious hit, like more of a NBA technical kind of foul ruling on stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I would love to hear what y'all think is the number one rule that college football needs to have changed. But I ultimately come away from everything we've learned this week about trying to cut down the time of the game. These rules aren't all going to be enforced. And we ultimately all know that the real reason these games are so long is because of the TV timeouts but there's nothing you can do about that. If anything, uh, those timeouts are just going to get longer and longer. Yeah, I think one of the one of the things you may could do to kind of shorten the game up is um, until you're in the last 10 minutes of the game, you don't stop the clock to reset for a first down. Um, you know, I like that in college as a way because you don't have a two-minute warning um, as kind of an extra way to stop the clock late in the game or to slow the clock down, slow the game down. Um, but I would, I would, that would be something I would advocate for in that vein of of speeding up the game is maybe outside of the final three minutes of it or final five minutes of the game. They they already do it with out of bounds, right? Um, I believe it's inside outside of the last two minutes of each half. Um, going out of bounds results in a small pause, and then the the play resumes. I think you uh you you just keep the clock rolling on first down until the last five minutes of each half or the last three minutes of each half or whatever. So. I was going to chop wood on this anyway, but it kind of um, kind, of, kind of pertains to this conversation is I think it's got to be recruiting rules. I mean, uh, they've got to change the calendar um, because it's just so taxing on these coaches. You, you're seeing it now with, with the coaches that are going pro um, decided to go to, off to the NFL. Um, you just cannot have these coaches recruiting or, or being forced to recruit nonstop. So to me, that's the biggest rule. 
that that I think needs to be changed, and I will change my chopping wood. Yeah, I mean, when you have coaches that are doing this year-round, and we talked about it before you came on, Palmer, just talking about Todd Munkin going, we already kind of knew that was Munkin's deal, right? Like, it was going to be a struggle to hold on to Munkin each and every year. But there are more and more coaches that we think and we tab as college football coaches – the NFL is going to start to get a lot more appealing if these calendars stay the same for their day-to-day, their month-to-month, and each and every year. There's just no rest for them. And someone tweeted at me the Don Draper line. That's what the money's for. But there's only so much money that you can make to replace the time you miss with your family, to running your body in the ground, to always recruiting your own players. I'm with you, man. That has to be addressed, and I don't think enough people really talk about it. I will say this, though. I think that you have more opportunities to be valuable at college, in the college level, than you do in the pro level. Because in the pro level, you better be able to recruit, identify, develop um, at a super high level. Get the attention of grown men, gain their respect, get them to listen to you, have solid input on the guys you want that type of thing. You better be able to do that. You better be able to do it at a very, very high level or you're going to be back recruiting again because you're good at it. You know, some of these guys don't love recruiting, but they're good at it. They can relate. They can BS. They can sell. Um, they can do all this stuff. And you're going to see, you know, you're going to see a back and forth there. Um, but but ultimately, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of coaches that you, y'all, that you thought, you know, highly paid, maybe college lifers. Um, they're going to jump out there and take a shot at the NFL at the very least to see if they can get it done because it's a better lifestyle. Got anything you're chopping wood about, Jake? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to chop wood on uh, Georgia getting to go to the White House. Um, you know, Mark Weiser, uh, breaking all sorts of news. Mark Weiser's the man. I love him. Um, Mark Weiser is uh, reporting that Georgia has uh, or Georgia has been invited to the White House. Lord, listen. If Georgia goes to the White House, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. If your kids ever get a chance to go to the White House, it's great. I hope that Georgia fans and just sports fans in general can just take the time to understand the symbolism of it and what it has always mean. And it's been it's always meant that you've accomplished something incredible. Georgia's done it back-to-back seasons. I don't know why they didn't go last offseason. It looks like they're going to get a chance to go this offseason. If they do, I hope Georgia fans really celebrate it the way it deserves to be celebrated their favorite team visiting the nation's capital and getting to be honored in such a way that, I mean, if you look back over the history of presidents and, you know, how many champions there are every you know few years, I mean, you're talking hundreds, you're not talking thousands. Um, you know, you're, you're talking you know, hundreds and hundreds of over the course of time of champions getting to be acknowledged at the white house. And that's pretty special. So I hope everybody gets a chance to really enjoy that. And they take the choice to enjoy that. Yeah, Warren Brinson uh, tweeted at the president this week and said it was crazy that there wasn't an invite. I never confirmed or knew whether or not that invite had or hadn't happened at that point, but I did think about it, and with Jimmy Carter and the state of health that he's in, this being the state that he's from, I thought it would be a no-brainer, and we don't talk a lot about politics, if ever, on this show, and – I hope it's not just a political move if and when it happens, but it makes too much sense to not pay tribute to the state of Georgia and to honor the team that's earned it with back-to-back national championships right now. So totally right, guys. If uh, um, if, if that becomes a media event, Jake, are you going to try to go? I don't know. Um, I, I've been to D.C. a couple of times. I ain't lost anything in D.C., bro. 
Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I got no business there. <laughs> it's too crowded. Right. I'm too old. Not, not one for the monuments. Um, no. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Hit like, hit subscribe. We'll be back on Sunday night, and we're always here on Mondays with Bark After Dark, and y'all talk to Dan Inman. Uh, Jake, you and uh, Jake uh, Jake Roos did. So if you missed that on Monday, definitely invite you and encourage you to check that out. Episode three now up, and uh, another one coming up on Monday. All right, y'all. Have a good week. We will catch you on Sunday night. Peace. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.